give you a heads up on what you can look forward to in the days and months and years to come. <laughs> we are looking at these gifts I'm entitling this section. And we spent uh, four weeks, five weeks in gifts of men. We have spent five weeks to date on gifts that strengthen. Um, we looked at speaking gifts and then we moved to... Today we will step into what is called serving gifts. After I finish the serving gifts, okay, so you everybody got that down? Six weeks of serving gifts. This is week one, so five weeks after that. I'm going to take two, three, or four weeks to teach on the person of the Holy Spirit and what does he do. Okay, it's going to be a, a condensing of a series that I taught that took three years. So I'll talk real fast. And you'll have to listen real fast because I want you to understand the Holy Spirit. And then I'll move into the gifts that signal that signal. So that's what we're looking at in the weeks to come. It's going to be a blast. I didn't hear a hearty amen. Um, so, all right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can hold a gun at her head to get him to say, yeah, I agree. All right, so let's read the word of the Lord and ask him to teach us. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He will. Verse 28 says, And God has appointed in the church, first the apostles, second the prophets, third the teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, it helps administration, various kinds of tongues. Father, help us to hear. Help us to rejoice at this amazing ability, this divine enabling that you've given upon your people. And Father, may we work in that. May we walk in that. May we be seen for that. May we understand that. May we rejoice in that. May we stand firm in that. That you would be glorified in Christ's name. Amen. We are looking at point two of an outline and the gifts that strengthen. Um, there's... The Holy Spirit empowers His people, God's people, in the church for doing the miraculous. Things that are not your nature, things that are not your talent, things that are not your ability. And let me tell you how simple this is. Do you really believe you have the ability to persuade the eternal destination of a soul? Okay, I, I, when I was thinking about this Holy Spirit, I was speaking to my wife about this. And I said, you know what? The church has changed so much since I taught on the person of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps I need time. And my wife turned pale. She said, oh my God, we're going to take three years and go through the person of the Holy Spirit again. And they're going to forget that it had to do with spiritual gifts. And I just smiled at her. Bless her heart. Ye of little faith. <laughs> Jesus is going to come back first. No. <laughs> And I, so I just, I thought about this real quick and I thought, you know, Terry, quickly, you spent three years more than that studying the person of the Holy Spirit. Boom. Tell me. What about the Holy Spirit? Let me give you six things quickly that the Holy Spirit does in the child of God. One, holiness. That's what I call constant sanctification. 
Constant sanctification. Holiness. It's already there, brothers and sisters. You're not attaining sanctification. You're not maintaining sanctification. You're not going out and scrubbing yourself daily to make yourself. Holy Spirit maintains your sanctification. Second, joy. A content, constant satisfaction. Did you get that? This is killing the church today. Why? The Holy Spirit has already given you joy and you should be satisfied whether you are in prison or whether you are free. Whether with much, whether with little, I am content. Why? That is a joy that overwhelms me. Thirdly, freedom, liberty. I have a sense of freedom. I am now able to do more than I could have ever dreamed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit who works through me. Fourthly, I have a confidence. I have an eternal security. Okay? Uh, I think about my brother Ed. All right? And I don't get me wrong. I grieve. I miss him. I'm going to miss. Vastaslos, Holmes. That's how he called me every time he talked to me on the phone. Foster Slows, Holmes. And I'm going to miss that. Knucklehead. I told him if he got out of here before me, I'd kill him. Um, but there's a security that exists that says, you know what? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know what's amazing about a Christian today? I'm immortal until God says, come home. You can't affect my death any quicker than what God says it's time. You can't hurry it up. You can't slow it down. You can go exercise your brains out, and you can't add one moment to your life. Can't do it. It's impossible. Do you remember that guy got hit by lightning on a motorcycle in rush hour traffic? Think about that for a second. Dude, your luck has run out. I mean, all these things that lightning could hit, and it hits this poor guy on a motorcycle? I'm thinking, you know what? I hope you didn't buy a lotto ticket. All right? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? Get real. You can't add to it. I'm going to, uh, this year, will turn half a century old. And you know what the amazing thing about half a century old is? How young age has turned. Okay? If you're in your 20s, somebody in their late 30s seems old, don't they? But you're getting ready to turn 50, somebody in their 70s seems young. They do. Oh, that ain't old. Why? That's just around the corner. <laughs> I know how fast I got here. All right, but, but do you see what happened? So I have a, a confidence. I have a security. Why? You can't add to, you can't take away from your days. I like that. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He also gives me victory. I have a constant victory. I have constant strength against the enemy, whether it be angelic hosts who are against me or my flesh. I have constant victory. It's always there. And the sixth thing is, is that I have constant ministry. Ministry. I have a constant service. Now, all of these, holiness, okay, walking in Christ's likeness, um, joy, I'm satisfied with everything, freedom, that I have a liberty for Jesus Christ, confidence, victory, and ministry happen only one way when I'm walking with the Spirit of God. All right, any time, and I have, and I've got more, but I, these were just six that I grabbed quick. All right, I, but any time that I've lost my joy, guess what I am not doing? 
I am not walking in the Spirit. Anytime that I am scared about something or anxious about something, guess what I am not doing? Okay? Anytime I'm not doing the holiness routine, I'm not getting it done. All right. Anytime that I am not serving in the body of Christ, guess what? I'm not walking. I'm not walking in the Spirit. Last five weeks, I've been looking at speaking gifts. Okay? We look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. We see there's two, two categories of spiritual gifts. One is speaking gifts and one is serving gifts. Let me quickly go back through the speaking gifts. Prophecy, proclaiming the truth of God. Knowledge, clarifies the truth of God. Wisdom, applies the truth of God. Teaching, will impart the truth of God to other individuals. And exhortation, demands obedience to the truth of God. Okay? Piece of cake. Alright, if you're struggling on which of those speaking gifts you have, you completely missed it. The key is not what is your gift, the key is am I walking in the Spirit of God? Because if you're walking in the Spirit of God, guess what? I'm going to see it. The church is going to see it. If you're not walking in the Spirit of God, then we'll be sitting there going, I wonder what their gift is. Okay? And I've had people come up to me. What do you think my gift is? I don't know. I'm waiting for you to walk in the Spirit. And then he'll tell me. <laughs> See, that gets you in trouble. <laughs> I don't think he loves me. You're probably right. Um, here's the thing I want you to think about the speaking gifts. It can be any combination, and yet the key to the speaking gifts are, they're all related to speaking the Word of God. Okay, people, go look, look at these yahoos that are on TV, some yahoos, okay? And I mean, we got all kind of Christian TV stations now. I, I found a whole new batch of them. On, I didn't even know I had them. And then, so I'm going to work on being anointed more. But um, anyway, uh, you see all these speaking gifts. You know what? I can sit within two minutes and tell you what gift or they're not exercising. Why? If it is a a divine enabled speaking gift, what are they all doing? Speaking the word of God. Please get a hold of that. If they are telling you stories and accolades and illustrations, it is not a divinely empowered speaking gift. It is some guy who's opening his mouth. And pushing air across his vocal cords. That's got nothing to do with it. It's no more than you see people. You ever seen people talking to themselves in their own cars in rush hour? It's kind of weird. Well, I'm not talking about the guys on the phones. I'm talking about the ones just sitting there talking. And then, that's, why, that's why you'll never see me ride my motorcycle into the city. Because there are strange people in there. Okay, I think about the guy on roller skates in the tutu who preaches the gospel. That's just not right. And I don't want to ride my motorcycle up there anywhere where they're around. Okay, because it's kind of dangerous. All right, so you see these gifts, but they're all related. These speaking gifts, if it is empowered by God, divinely energized by the Spirit of the, whole, of the Holy God, then they will be speaking Scripture. Scripture. Okay? Five of them we looked at. Now we're going to look at six serving. Okay? The issue is not the proclaiming and the speaking now the issue is serving needs or a need. 
Okay? Needs or a need. Okay? Uh, if you've ever been taking an art class in high school or some of you might have went on, um, I had a scholarship one time for art, <laughs> but mine was charcoal and ink and pen. Uh, but I always seen, the, the, you ever seen the guys who take the palette? That thing's got the hole in it, oils, okay? That never dries. That's the weirdest thing. Anyway, um, they put their thumb through there. And if you watch them, and when they start, they start out with the primary colors. And that's all. It's just put a gloop here, gloop here, gloop here. And then you got this little thing that looks like a spatula, a very narrow spatula. And then they'll mix the colors as they want from the primary colors, okay? That's what we're missing in the body of Christ today. That's how God does it. What you have listed here in these 11 gifts... Five speaking, 11 serving are the primary colors, okay? And all of these gifts are, are come together as the artist, the Holy Spirit, wants to get it done, all right? And that's what we're going to be looking at. First thing I want to look at is these serving gifts. And this first serving gift that I want to look at is, is a term that is... Um, Leadership, okay? It's a spiritual gift of leadership. If you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 28, or 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, all right? You look there, it says, God is appointed. We went through these, first the apostles, second, and all of those. And then you see that there were miracles, then there are gifts of healings, there are helps, and then this is the New American Standard translation, and it says administrations, Okay, uh, stop right there because in uh, Romans 12, he uses a word. <clears throat> Verse 8 says, He who exhorts in his exhortation, I shared with you that that's a speaking gift. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. Okay, the word leads and the word administrations. They're referring to the same thing. Okay, some of your translations may say governments. All right, in, in chapter 12, verse 28, administration, he'll have a gift of governments. Um, it, it means to lead or to manage. I'm going to define this in the next few minutes. It, 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 to have a charge over something, to have oversight over something. Um, leadership, government has oversight. They manage things. Basically, leadership, government, administrations um, basically are the same. It's, it's unique in its literal translation. Okay? Kubernetes. Uh, Kubernetes is the term in the original language. And it literally means to steer a ship. Kubernetes, to steer a ship. It is a skill of, of, of the helmsman. It is the skill of piloting a ship. Uh, it, it is the man in the, in the ship who, who charts the course, uh, who knows the destination, and who is able to keep the ship on course. Okay. Now, I want you to keep that in mind when you think about Kubernetes, but I want you to keep it back here on the side that says this is supernatural. All right. This is, is an ability to see an objective. Okay. And, to form a direction to get to the objection, object and to mobilize a group to get them to the position. I mean, I mean that's literally what it means. Uh, it can be on a large scale. It can be on a small scale. But it literally says, here's where we need to go. 
how do I get there? And now that I got it figured out how to get there from point A to point B, let's get all the people together so we can get to that place. That's leadership. Listen, leadership is not paper pushing. Okay? The spiritual gift of leadership is a gift that is involved. It is seen. This is not the person who sits around and delegates. Okay? Listen, in the writing of the, at the time of the writing of this, the guy who was at the helm of the, sh- the, the ship was the sitting duck. Okay? If a storm came up on the ship, who everybody went below deck except he who's steering the boat. He had to stay up and hang on a wheel. It was not uncommon. They would take ropes and tie him to the steering wheel. All right? That shows me involvement. It isn't saying, I believe we need to get here and you guys get after it and get us here. Okay? Kubernetes says, here's how we're going to get there and watch. All right? And then the people say, hey, I need to get involved on that because, you know, he's sort of got it figured out. He knows the direction we're going to and he knows how to get it done. That's the thing that we have to, to, to pay attention to. Let me show you a couple of places. Um, the thing I think that, that it hurts us with this leadership, and first and foremost, the, guy, the helmsman, the guy who steers the ship, he don't own the ship. You gotta understand that. Uh, you guys remember Exxon Valdez, Valdez, uh huh. The guy who got in trouble, it won't his boat. <laughs> okay, he was just hired to get us to a destination and make sure we get there safely. Okay, um, people would say, well, this is like a pastor. Duh. Okay, that goes back to the primary colors. If you're in a leadership position in the church, you'd better have the gift of leadership. Okay? But, uh, you know, when I think of it as a pastor, Christ says to the pastor, here's the goal, here's the people, mobilize them and get them there. Okay, that's leadership. Let me show you a text in defining this it comes out of Revelations chapter 18 verse 17 you don't have to turn there for in one hour such great wealth was laid waste and every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor and as many as make their living by the seeds sea stood at a distance the word shipmaster there kubernetes the guy who drives the boat um when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, you see administrations or government, depending on your translation, it's kubernetes. It's a person who stays the course. It's a person who pilots the ship. Okay, in Acts chapter 27, verse 11, Paul, remember Paul was on his great adventure across the sea. He was going to Rome and just didn't realize how he was going to get there. But he was on his way to Rome. He's in change. The ship gets into a big storm. And he, Paul comes up with the profound statement that says, you know what, the ship will be lost, but nobody else will be which is, would be a little unnerving for me. The ship will be lost, but not the people. Hmm, how do you do that in a raging storm? Anyway, um, the guy who was driving the boat is spoken of there, and he thought Paul lost his mind, and he's doing everything he could. They'd taken ropes and undergird the keel, and, and they'd casting out cargo so that they wouldn't 
float so low in the water. He was doing what he could. Why? He knew where he needed to go. He knew how to get there. And he was trying to mobilize the people to keep us from sinking. And then Paul comes up and says, well, an angel of the Lord said that I'm going to... Oh, we got one of those. <laughs> okay, I mean, my first thought would have been Jonah. <laughs> I got Jonah. Use the dude for bait. Um, Kubernetes is a word that you have heard before. Uh, we get a word, a science out of it. It's called cybernetics. Cybernetics comes from Kubernetes. Okay, and then there's a book out that Lanny probably read. I found the book and said, <laughs> there's a waste of good paper called Psycho-Cybernetics. It's a book. It's published. It's wonderful. And it basically is a science of the study of the brain um, to the governing of the body. How the brain makes the body work. Okay, guess what? It's talking about how the brain rules the body. If my wife knows this, Lanny knows this, some of the other ABCs. Okay, ABCs. When you go on to a site of a trauma, ABC airway, breathing, circulation. You know why? You want the brain to live. Okay, and if you lose air. <laughs> the brain says, I quit. All right, so you have to keep the brain working. Because when the brain quits, body quits. All right, so I, I always looked at that, and, you know, they had this pearl. Pupils equal and reactive to light or something like that. I don't remember now. But why? Because what is the brain doing? All right, why? Who rules the body? Brain does. Okay, well, what about, let me tell you something. You've heard the statement, brain dead? <laughs> I know. I got relatives that are that way. Anyway, uh, but it's still talking about who is steering the ship. Who is steering the ship? So there's an, an ability to lead. It's, it's an ability. In the Old Testament, it's used four times. And in the four times, okay, that would be the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, Kubernetes is used. And it's used every time in connection with wisdom. That's a good thing. You want the guy leading to be wise, <laughs> Right? So, I mean, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 5 uh, translates it as counsel. It talks about the counsel of the damned has no wisdom. And the word is kubernetes. The guy driving the ship doesn't know what he's doing. Okay, and well, I've seen this before. We don't have to get into that. Okay, uh, let me give you another example of this. It comes from the book of Ezekiel chapter 27, verse 8. The inhabitants of Sidon and Arvad were the were your rowers. Okay, what's he talking about? Ship. And your wise men, O Tyre, were on board, and they were your pilots. You know what that was? Kubernetes. Okay, now, now he's talking here, Sidon, Arved, and, and Tyre were condemned because of the lack of wisdom. Okay? It's the same word. The, the pilots are your wise men. They're piloting the ship. And so a good pilot was connected with wisdom. I mean, I think about the poor guy with uh, um, Exxon Valdez. Um, he's drunk. That's not real wise. I mean, we get into trouble drunk driving a car. How much more trouble can you get in quicker with something the size of an oil tanker? I mean, you know, it, 
You, you better be planning your turns ahead of time or you'll end up, look how stupid I am. I'm on the news. And people are cleaning oil off of otters. Um, so when I think about what we've looked at as speaking gift, the word of wisdom is the ability to, that, that makes the word of God apply. It's to speak out the word of God. Leadership, the gift of leadership would be incorporated in that. Okay, um, it enables someone to wisely approach and reach um, this objective. Okay, I mean, it's great to look and say, all right, I want to go there. But you'd better be looking along the way to see what kind of traps and snares and problems are laying in there and you be dealing with it. That's what the gift of leadership does. It has the ability in wise counsel. Again, wise counsel will be the word of the Lord to say, plot the course, and this is how we're going to get there. Listen, just because you're a leader, it does not mean you have the word of wisdom. Just because you're a leader does not mean you have a speaking gift of wisdom. Please understand that. All right, again, I'm going to go back to the primary colors. You're going to want some of this. You're going to want to at least expose yourself to some of this. You want to at least know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But there's times in leadership you look at the objective. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to accomplish. How do we get there? (coughs) The leaders will direct it and they're going to hold the wheel even at times when the storm comes. I'm still going to hold the wheel. You've got to hold a wheel. And you can see that in every level. Okay, uh, Leadership and wisdom, uh, yes, they have to go together, but you can be a leader and not necessarily be a person who proclaims. Okay? Um, it, this, I believe that there are some in this congregation right now who are not in, quote-unquote, a leadership position, but yet have the gift of leadership. Why? These are people that you see who form objectives. They understand the direction of the objective and they mobilize people uh, to to get them there. Okay? Um, You know, and I I pull a bunch of people's interpretation of this and, and, and illustrations of this and then I come back to what Terry says. And Terry goes back to simplicity. The gift of leadership, divine enabling for leadership, direction and decision making. Okay? I know what the direction I need to go, and I need to make the decisions to get me to that direction. I mean, I know that, well, that sounds, well, I used to have a boat. And if I wanted to go fishing over there, I make the decision and say, go over there, and I would what? Well, we're going to have a time of prayer now. And no, I'm going to turn the motor on. I'm going to drive over there. Okay? I, I, so I, I understand this thing. So, you know, the ship's helm, the, the problem that I see a lot of times in the gift of leadership that sometimes I see people step into something they shouldn't be in. When the storm hits, what do they do? They let go of the wheel, run downstairs. Okay, The divinely energized Christian with the gift of leadership is willing to have his hands taped to that wheel and says, I know where this direction came from. I know what the objective is. I know that God has empowered this to take place. And I am not giving up this course. 
Okay? What did I start this message out with? It isn't an issue about your gift. The issue is walking in the Spirit. I see a whole bunch of Christians today who run out on the limb and say, Jesus, please bless this. But if you're walking in the Spirit, I don't have to ask Him to bless this. Why? Because I'm walking where He wants me to walk. If I have the gift of leadership, He says, I have empowered you to hold the wheel. And I'm driving. But you hold the wheel. And I'm going to get you there. And I see a lot of people, as soon as they hit the first bump or problem comes up, first little wind, first storm, what do they do? Get me off of this thing and I'm going downstairs and hiding. Okay? And there's a lot of people, I believe, that are in leadership who shouldn't be. Leading, and I want to explain this more, but the direction and the decision were God-given and they bailed. Okay? Listen, the person who has this gift will hang on till everyone gets to where they are to go. Did you hear that? The person who has this gift is going to hang on till everyone gets to where they are to go. That's the difference. That's how I can spot those who claim to have the gift and don't have it. Why? They don't hang on. They don't hang on. Okay, pastor, bishop, elder. They have this gift? By God, they better. Because <laughs> if not, they won't hang on. They won't hang on. Okay, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. You betcha. Why? It's a primary color that serves. Okay, I agree. Listen, I, I meet with guys on Thursdays and have been for a while pastors in our community. I've talked to guys. There's a couple of guys who come together and pray. They've only been, their church plants is, aren't even six months old yet. Okay, and it's funny because they get that, I was talking about this in my Sunday school class, they get that, what I call the about 60-day honeymoon period. And, then, you know, after 60 days, they got more people than any church in Castle Rock. And by God, we're going to buy land and all the rest of it. And then honeymoon wears off, the new, newness wears off, and all them people take off. And they're back down to the original, well, these are the people I brought with me to plant this church, and that's all I have. Funny, huh? And they said, well, what do you say? I said, let me tell you something. Pastoring here in Castle Rock is not for the faint-hearted. Well, but you don't. Okay, fine. You've, I guarantee you, you've never seen an animal like what you see in Castle Rock. And they think I'm nuts. And then within, you know, I mean, Earl Hammond's even made a statement. He says, you know, I've been here five years. He said, I've never seen anything like it. He said, it's a blast, ain't it? But you know what it does do? It shows the men and women who have the gift of leadership. And there ain't that many, but they're there. Why? First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says, The elders who rule well. There are some of those who do what? Kubernetes. They rule well. Okay? God gave these men these gifts. The elders, the pastor, the teachers. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, 17, and 24 says that there are these people in the church who lead. There are these people who have this ability, kubernesis. They have oversight, those who shepherd, those who lead. Listen, let me share with you something like that. I like to hunt, and it gets me into trouble every once in a while, but if you don't like to hunt, then you need to repent. Um, If you go hunting, okay, you will see that there, elk hunting, there are... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of elk 
females and a handful of males. Okay? But if you watch him go through the woods, you always see that the male is in the back pushing the female. So when people start shooting, he says, hmm, I probably shouldn't go that direction, huh? And he'll go around. And I mean, they may be five to ten minutes behind the cows. And if the bullets ring out, the bull says, make a note, don't follow the ladies. And I mean, you may think that's crass, but if you've only got a handful of bulls, you want to keep them safe. Right? You see it in cattle. Okay? When you move cattle, you get behind them and what? Push, push, push. That is not Kubernetes. Kubernetes says, I'm driving the boat and I don't care where you're sitting. Leadership does what? Leads. You know what that means? It's in the front. I thought about when they were getting ready to cross the Rhine. The Germans were sitting on the other side and the 3rd Army, Patton's Army, was sitting on this side and they'd blown up the, uh, the one bridge and they were trying to put a pontoon bridge across it and everybody was freaking out and Patton comes up to the front lines. Okay, now if you haven't seen the Rhine River, that's a big river. That's not like the Platte. I mean, the Platte at certain times you can walk across the thing. Uh, the, the Rhine is like the Mississippi. And he says, well, go across Patton does. And they said, what are you nuts? They're shooting at us. I mean, you want me to swim with a pack and a rifle across? And Patton says, give me your pack, give me your rifle, give me your helmet. Jumped in the river, swam across the river, shook his rifle like that, turned around, swam back and said, now go! That's what a leader does. Okay? you got to do that. You look for the leaders in the church and they're the ones who are what? In the front. If you're doing this all the time, you ain't a leader. If you're walking, if, if you're walking in the spirit, then you know what the objective is, you know the direction, and you're going that way. And you know what? When they bring the storm against you, and it will manifest itself in ways you can't even imagine, you're going to hang on to that wheel, and you're going to keep going because you're walking in the Spirit. He says, this is the objective. This is how you're going to get there. And I don't care if you're the only one who gets there. But you're going. That's supernatural leadership. It doesn't look around and say, well, I can't. You know how I mobilize people to do where God is leading? I go walk it. And God does what? Brings those who would follow. Brings those who would follow. Now see, some say that, the, that this gift ends with the pastor, the elders, and the deacons. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I'm going to take you to an illustration. Uh, Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. I'm going to go through this quickly. Okay? This is the first ever management consultant. Okay. Moses has brought Israel out of the Egyptian captivity and depending on who you talk to, there's between a million and a half and two million campers. Okay? Let's be realistic. You know, I look at illustrations. There are a lot of illustrations of godly leadership. Men walking in the spirit. Nehemiah, okay, Gideon. I mean, we could go through, man, them is, them is amazing people, amazing people. Let me show you another one that most people don't pay attention to. 
Okay, uh, Exodus chapter thirteen or chapter eighteen, verse thirteen. This guy's name is Jethro, Bodine, one of the Clampets. No, just kidding. This is Jethro. This is Moses' father-in-law. Father-in-law. Okay. Here's what he says. Came about the next day, Moses sat and judged the people. He stood about Moses from morning until evening. That's an amazing statement. Okay. Moses was a great leader. Okay. Let's be realistic. Everybody's like, whoa, dude, check out what Moses is doing. I mean, he's got the Shekinah thing going on. It kind of goes dim. He's parting the Red Seas. He's, he's just, you know, getting water out of rocks and just crazy, crazy, you know. So if you got a question, who are you going to go to? Moses. Why? It is obvious that Moses is speaking for God and we should pay attention when Moses makes a statement. All right, he was a great leader. God had done much wondrous work through Moses, right? Everybody wanted to do what then? Talk to Moses. Why? He's, it's obvious that he's got the answers. Look at what he's doing. Everybody wanted to tell Moses their problem. Moses had the red phone to God. Everybody wanted Moses. So Moses, I like this. Moses was accessible. You didn't have to call up his secretary and say, can I have an appointment with Moses? No. It's a very simple process. Stand in line. Okay, now I want you to think about that for a second. You take, go small number, only a million and a half, and they all want to stand in line and talk to you. Okay? That's a great idea. Okay? Who else can do this? I mean, let's be realistic. Has Moses been beneficial? Absolutely. And it's obvious that he had God's answers. All right. Who else can do this? Okay, here's what happens. It's easy for a person in leadership to get to feeling that they are indispensable. Okay, verse 13. Came about next day that Moses sat and judged the people, stood, and, and the people stood about Moses from morning till evening. Okay. It's easy to happen, right? All right, who else can do it? Who else can do it like me? Here's what happens. <clears throat> Verse 14. Now, when Moses' father in law, that'd be Jethro, saw that <clears throat> he was doing what he was, all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Okay, now that's a dumb question. Okay, and I mean, Moses, you know, he was accessible. You didn't need to make an appointment, you just got in line. Okay. Why are you doing this? Well, we don't have a government. You know, we got all these people. We're out camping. We don't know how long we're going to be out here camping, but we're headed for the promised land and all the rest of it. What is this that you are doing, and why do you do it alone, sit as a judge of all the people stand from morning till evening? Okay? Why are you the only one? Jethro asked Moses. Okay? Verse 15, here's the danger. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to what? To inquire of God. Right? That is admirable, isn't it? If somebody calls me up and they got a problem, what is my answer going to be? Well, the Bible says, what the Bible says, it isn't my opinion. Okay, now if you want opinion, there's a whole bunch of people go ask them. They'll give them to you. I, get, I see it. I see people give their opinion all the time. Okay? But there's a danger that you see there in verse 15. Verse 16 when they have a dispute, it comes to me. This is Moses. And I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God to his law. Listen, that is admirable, isn't it? That is admirable. The people need to know what God says, don't they? That's good stuff. 
Here's what Jethro says in 17 and 18. Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you're doing is not good. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't it good for the people to know what God says about a given situation? Look what he says. You will surely wear out. <laughs> Both yourself and the people who are standing in line. That's not what it says. But these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you and you cannot do it alone. Okay? It's admirable, but you're not able. Why? You're doing this from when? Morning till evening. From dawn till dusk. Okay? You're going to wear out, but think about the million people who are standing in line. You're supposed to be headed for the promised land if you're standing in court all day for a million people. Just the fact that they're all standing in line, you're going to have some issues to deal with. You could end up with a riot. Okay? Verse 19. Now listen to me. I like that. Listen up. Pay attention. Here's what he says. I will give you counsel and God be with you. You be, be the people's representative before God and you bring this disputes to God. Then teach them. Here's key. Then teach them the statutes and laws and make known to them by way with which they should walk and work that they, ha- they are to do. He says, you know what you need to do? You need to get some more people involved and you need to teach them what God is about. Hmm, interesting thought, isn't it? Interesting thought. If I teach them the Bible, then guess what they'll do? They'll go and teach the Bible. That right there is the best definition of a pastor that I've seen in Holy Writ. Why? What is a pastor to do? And he can't do it alone. A pastor leads, teaches, and is an example. Then listen, if you're not around... Sorry. But he leads, teaches, and is an example. We lead, teach, and example. There is, you can never solve everybody's problem individually. Look at verse 21. He says, let me give you a plan. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able, to, able men who fear God, men of truth. Interesting concept, huh? Those who hate dishonest gain. You know what that means. Can't be bribed. Okay, that's, that's what that means. Okay, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. I like that. Here's a plan. Watch out for those who are in it for dishonest gain, who can be bribed. Why? And you will invest in faithful men, Paul told Timothy, who are able to what? Teach others. It's always been God's plan. Out of the people would come leaders. And some of the leaders would be leaders of thousands, of hundreds, even as small as groups of tens. Okay? Some have the responsibility of a big group. I mean, you may have a Bible study. All right? And you are responsible for that. You are teaching other people to teach. Okay? But here's the thing. When you're doing this leadership, are you looking at what is the objective And then are you moving people into mobilization so you can get them to a goal? Okay. I know some people who teach just for the sake of teaching. And they just become windbags. They just talk all the time. They don't ever say anything. Why? What's the goal? Well, I'm just going to teach. Okay. I mean, why do you teach the book of Romans? I don't know. I just, I wanted to teach something with R. 
Okay, do you understand why you teach the book of Romans? Why do you teach, you know, I, I, you guys hear me make this statement every once in a while. I'm teaching the T-books. Just felt like teaching the T-books. I started with 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. Oh, do the T's. Okay, no. I started with the two oldest letters of the New Testament, and I'll conclude with the three newest letters of the New Testament. Why? Because I want you to see. Nothing has changed. It all goes through. Here's how it looks. Come on, press on. Let's get this thing done. All right. Some of you have responsibilities. Some of you don't. Some of you have this gift. Some of you don't. There's all kinds of possible manifestations. There's all kinds of possible energizings going on. You know, I think about uh, Nate taking over and getting the sign done. That's leadership. Here's the objective. How am I going to get this done? I need to mobilize people. We need to get this finished. Here we go. Okay, verse 23, if you do this thing and God so commands you, then you'll be able to endure and all these people will go to their places in peace. You know what he's basically saying there? Moses, if you do it this way, you're going to live longer. And not only that, you can get 1.5 million people out of line. They don't have to be there. What happened? Here's simplicity. Jethro saw a need and was able to organize it in a way that he can get the need taken place of, get it taken taken care of that's why the apostle wrote timothy and he says invest in faithful men who will teach listen if you if you think that it's my responsibility to go around and chase you all the time then you miss that text that text says you teach i'll bring faithful listen if you think that i have to come and get you and beseech you and beg you to come and do something then you are not teachable you are worried about yourself and you might as well just sit where you are and complain You have your reward. Why? Because as a leader, I know the objective. I know where I'm going. I know how to get there, and I'm hanging on to the wheel until I arrive. And if you come with me, praise God. If not, fine. It's fine. Okay? Because I want you to pay attention to it, because I have one other word I want to deal with, and it is crucial to this text. And this is where I get into trouble. But the book, it's in the book, and I'm going to just give you, here's what the Word says, and because it says it, I'm doing it. All right? Chapter 12 of the book of Romans, verse 8. This is another aspect of the supernatural enabling on leadership. Okay? This gift, when I see it manifested... Here's another aspect of it. Here's what it says in verse 8. He who leads, how? With diligence. With diligence. What the heck does that mean? Haste. Haste. Take it back to the original language. It has a connotation of speed. Speed. What is a good leader? It's someone who spots a need and acts quickly. Pay attention to that one. Pay attention to that. I have people who say, Terry, you just shoot and go and do it. Why? Well, that's just your personality. Really? Or is it my gift? 
Because he who is supernaturally empowered by God, understanding that involved in it is wisdom. Again, what is involved in it? The word of the Lord. All right, right? Everybody's with me right now. And if I have the word of the Lord, I see what he wants me to do. Why would you tarry? Why would you wait? Listen, Castle Rock Baptist Church, you have been presented a widow. It ain't rocket science on what I'm supposed to do. I don't need to even go pray about that one. I don't even have to think about it. I don't have to ponder it. I'm not going to take it home and meditate on it. I have a widow. And if I have to bring her into my home and live with me and feed her, I'm going to do it. And I'm not even... Well, I'll need to pray it. No! You have the gift of leadership. You act hastily. It's killing the church today. I see people with the gift of leadership. You know what they do? I think I'm going to pray and fast. Well, when I run into a person like that, I go and pray and fast for them. I pray and fast that your word will chew them up. Why? Because it's obvious that they haven't sought the wisdom of the word of God or been exposed to the wisdom of God or the learning of the wisdom of God or those who have the gift of knowledge or those who have the gift of teaching or those who have the gift of exhortation. And so they're sitting over there contemplating their narcissistic navel thinking that they're spiritual. And the need just cruises right on by and God says, don't worry, I'll get somebody else. It's what I call left behind. Not the movie. They're just standing out there. They ain't doing nothing for Jesus. What did I tell you? If you walk in the Spirit, one of the ways you know emphatically are is that you are serving. It's a really scary thought. And you're serving ways you didn't even know you were doing it. Why? Because all of a sudden this supernatural enabling is taking place. And it's working. And it can be leadership because all of a sudden you're an elder. Or it can be leadership because I heard some of the ladies are talking about they're wanting to feed hungry or something. I don't know what they're doing. They're going to steal food from Safeway. I don't know what. They're going to do something. Okay. Why? They see a need and they say, huh, let's pray about it. They pray about it. My guys, I have a diligence. <laughs> Make haste. One of the greatest disciplines that I've had to ever grab a hold of in my life, this is very difficult for me, people, was forcing myself to deal with the issue the moment I became aware of it. Okay, I, Nobody in here procrastinates. I know I'm the only one guilty of that. Okay, But I tell you what, if you procrastinate and you have the gift of leadership, you are one miserable creature. Because God says you lead with diligence. Okay? You see the need. You meet the need. It's decision making. Here's a need. Hmm. Wonder what I should do. Okay? If you have this gift, can you do me a favor? Use it in a hurry. Okay? I have people who think that Terry just flies off the handle, goes and does these things. I have the gift of leadership. I'm sorry. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. I would rather change light bulbs for Jesus. But when I see a need, what do I do? I'm going to go do it. I ain't bragging about that. I want you to understand that is the key to this word that we miss today. I have the gift of leadership. How do you know? I pray and fast all the time for everything. You got the key of leadership. 
the gift of leadership. You have the gift of faith. And I'll deal with that one more intense. But the gift of leadership says, I know what the objective is. Listen, if you're kind of foggy about that, you may not have the gift of leadership. Don't worry about it. So don't serve in a leadership capacity. Okay? Please understand, this gift that I'm sharing with you this day, I'm not talking about an elder. Yes, an elder better have it. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people in the body of Christ supernaturally empowered to make decisions. They see a direction and they make a decision to get to that direction. That's all it is. You know what? There's a lot of stuff that we can do as Christians that you don't have to ask the pastor. You don't have to ask the church leadership, can I do this? Do it! Do it. All right, that one's for you, Alex. You want to cut the grass? Don't ask me. Just do it. You want to water the grass? Then look at that little chart thing that says I can hold the water hose or I can't hold the water hose and all. You guys out here in the city, I don't know how. What? I can water on what days? Don't you understand if you water it, it grows? If it grows, you cut it. And you water it some more and you cut it again and it grows. What's up with that? That's silly. Uh... Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I want you to pay attention to. You may have that gift. Okay? If you can't see the objective clearly, you may not have the gift. You may not have the gift. All right? Leadership. Sees the direction, makes the decision, and they do it with diligence, speedily. I see a need. I'm going to take care of the need. Period. Okay? And you know what? You may have to do it most of the time and nobody knows that you're doing it. And you'll never get an attaboy. You may never get a rah-rah. You may just see it, do it, and be done with it. And you know what you need to do? Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of serving your precious bride. That's leadership. Gifts that strengthen. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for those who are gifted with this gift. I praise you for what you do. Lord, thank you for your church. Father, I pray that as she, even these few days, will struggle with grief. Father, we will struggle with uh, missing of a brother, a missing of a sister. Uh, Lord, as you have given us this time, this precious time, uh, with both Kim and with Ed, uh, Lord, that we continue to Pray for those who are here. Uh, pray for those who, you know, we now have a missionary to Philadelphia. Uh, pray for her marital status. Uh, the boys, uh, Lord, uh, may we understand the preciousness of life, the preciousness of the time that you've given us. And Lord, as Paul told the church in Ephesus, let us be about redeeming the time for your glory and praise. In Christ's name, amen.